2: Hey guys, Rob here. Uh, I'm not actually on this episode, you may well be glad to hear. Um, This is just a post-added editor's note. Now, to take you behind the curtain somewhat on the way we record this podcast, uh, is that each person on the call records their own audio track, and I put them all together in post-editing. I won't bore you with the details, but basically that just makes it easier to edit out any problems we have, and if the call does drop um, easy to put that together. Um, Anyway, Uh, Well, the guest we brought in to replace me on this episode, Ian Seaton, who was a great guest, by the way, um, unfortunately had somewhat of a problem with his audio file roughly midway through this podcast, and we only found out about it uh, as I was editing it, unfortunately. Now, I'm not sure what it was exactly. Uh, Perhaps it was his mic breaking, perhaps it was a dodgy physical connection... Uh, perhaps the file just got corrupted, but basically about midway through Ian's audio gets quite bad. Uh, now I've done what I can, but that's not exactly a lot. I'm not really an audio engineer. And especially as after the point in question, Ian's audio didn't just get bad, it also got really quiet, so then I don't have to amplify it, so you'd be able to hear it. And then that amplifies the corruption as well. Um, yeah. I think it is understandable. Um, and comprehensible, you can you can understand what he's saying, but after that point, it's it's not great audio quality. Uh, let's put it that way. And for those of you who are all into their good audio quality, you're probably not going to like it too much. Um, maybe listen to about halfway, um, and then when the problem kicks in, um, if it isn't to your taste, uh, if it's too bad for you, then you know just hit the leap. Uh, whatever, you can make your own decisions, can't you? Uh, I've talked long enough already, so I'll, I'll pass on to others now. Uh, thanks for listening.
3: Hello, good evening, and welcome. This is episode 11 of the BritRest Roundtable. I'm Arnold Furious, I'll be hosting this evening because Rob Reed is out on the piss, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Um, My co-hosts this evening are Oliver Court. Hey there. And a first-time guest, Ian Seaton.
1: Hello. Hi.
3: Hello. How are you?
1: I'm very good. How are you?
3: Excellent. Uh, Happy to have (laughs) you (laughs) on. Okay. uh, We're going to be talking about... uh, Sorry, we just had horrible technical difficulties, Uh, which hopefully we've overcome. (laughs) 15 minutes of horror. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, progress mostly this evening uh because there was chapter 25 which we missed because it was very delayed in terms of um uh, being put up on the, the pivot share website apparently I had massive audio problems so i can relate and <laughs> also chapter 26 which has happened since um so we're going to start off with 25 uh which happened way back on january the 24th um that was chat
4: shit get banged um incredible name for a show <laughs> it
1: really yeah, was.
3: I, I was i was thrilled when they uh when they named the show that i think they tried they tried to talk jim smallman out of it i think
1: yeah but his his delight on on um, on actually being able to use that name was quite incredible <laughs> pretty happy with that
3: and and they kicked this show off with uh this was in camden uh, the Electric Ballroom, uh, they kicked off with the Progress Tag Team Championship match, The Origin. Nathan Cruz and El Ligueiro defending against FSU, Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis. Um, what do you think of this one again? Uh, well, I was
1: at this show live. Um, That's handy. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I think Eddie Dennis is a lot better in, in a tag team than he ever is in singles, so it's good to see him back doing that. I... <sighs> I don't know. I, it was okay. I think it was. It came across better on tape than it did than it did live. It seemed a bit a bit flat live. But um, I don't know what either of you thought about that. Yeah, I thought like
4: a lot of the action in this match, sort of nothing really stood out. A lot of it bled in together, and it was just like another match on the card where it could have been something a bit more special had it been a little higher up or a little more focused on. And a lot of it really wasn't about FSU. It was more about the origin getting another scalp win and adding to the um, championship run.
3: Um, I liked it as a, as a hot opener I thought it kind of worked. I mean I know you're saying it, it came across as flat like in the venue mm-hmm. um, but like on tape it, it didn't come across that way it was um, it was more of a like a, like a spotty uh, opener whereas like um, in terms of like getting the crowd hooked I thought that did the job. Um, but evidently you know
1: they didn't come across that way uh, well, long, but. yeah, I didn't have the I wasn't sitting in the best place, so it could have just been a, a positioning uh, issue but i mean the, the the actual match itself, i mean there was nothing wrong with it. I don't think it was just uh, I don't know the crowd were well, you you expect the crowds um at progress to be kind of boisterous to begin with and maybe they we weren't they <laughs> we weren't quite as into it as I expected, but it was it was still good it was say good? I think they tend to be loud
3: kind of regardless of what they're presented yeah. with. Um, mm. So maybe they didn't even need to run that match in in that style. They were for me anyway.
2: Yeah.
3: Anything to add, Ollie? Or was that just... Uh... <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, like, I'd, I have no, like, really strong feelings about this match. It's a difficult one to really, like, process and break down because it was just kind of an all-action opener. Um, but both teams are working well. Like, um, Liguera and Cruz are doing very well in the role that they're assigned as this, like, crowd riling up team. And to see El Liguera in that kind of role after being a babyface for so long, you know, it's very interesting. But, like, obviously, we're still nowhere near the end game with the Origin yet. So it just feels like another a- another match on the road to getting there, and something really stand out.
3: Yeah, I, I enjoyed it though. I, they I did uh, did the job. Like I say, the origin, uh, those two in particular, I think are doing really good heel work. Uh, I'm not sure whether they're going with the with the whole origin storyline. I don't know if that's going to be uh, like a really long term angle that they're gunning for, or, or whether they they might have a blow off sooner rather than later. It's kind of hard to tell.
1: Yeah, I mean since. Um... You know, it seemed like they had the Sumerian Death Squad going for them for a while, but since that's kind of, you know, splintered off into the London rights field, I'm not really sure uh, what they're doing really with the origin, but uh, they've got time, I suppose. It's not it's not that, it's not that you know, wrong in the truth at this point, so yeah. it's fairly new.
3: Yeah, I'd be interested to see where they go with it. Yeah. It certainly has the building blocks of, of something, something's happening. And if there's one thing progress are pretty good at, it's it's persisting with something and just kind of letting it tick over until the time is right. Uh, following on from that match was um, the Natural Progression Series 3 uh, contest between Tyler Bate and Damian Dunn. Uh, this was kind of a do-over because they uh, booted Sebastian out of the tournament. I don't know if you've got any more news on that, Ollie. I remember last time uh, we were talking about it, it was that they weren't sure what was going on or whether he was going to come back at all or, or mm. were uh, the Well, Geese- there doesn't seem
4: to be any, like, bad blood between geezers and progress. Like, they were talking about uh, the geezers on commentary here, and they've tweeted about them as well. Like, um, presumably the reason why uh, he's out of the tournament is because he took the ICW booking on the same day, but, like, that seems to just be like a minor uh, disagreement between uh, them and Progress, rather and anything like destroyed their relationship. So, other than that, I don't I don't have anything new on that. <laughs>
3: okay. So um, Tyler Bates is uh, a guy we really like. Uh, I don't know about you, Ian. You you Tyler Bates? Huh? Yeah. yeah. He's got legs like tree trunks, and he's like <laughs> nineteen, <laughs> is it <he? laughs> eighteen or something?
1: He's it really just is. fantastic, isn't he? Really, I mean, and his mum's a delight. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> yeah, I try. I try not to uh, think about him too much. It's hard because he's so good. Um, but you know, his mum's... that has got to be a long, difficult job to find every single, <laughs> every single <Yeah>. person that <laughs> talks about your son.
3: Well, then she listened to the the, the last show because uh, she found out she was in it. Oh, really? So uh, I've now mentioned her again. So uh... <laughs>
1: Hello, this is fact. Hello. I love his
4: Mum.
3: Uh, Damien Dunn um, wasn't as keen on his work in this one as I was with, with Tyler. Um, I don't know if that's the way you both felt, but it just kind of um, I, he felt like he like a half a step below what what Tyler was doing. Um,
4: well, Dunn looked a lot more comfortable in this match than he did against Sebastian in his first match in progress. Partly because he knows Tyler Bate a lot better. Obviously, they wrestle a lot together um, in the Midlands, and they just had a match that they would have anyway. Like they know each other a lot better, they didn't have to, like, build that rapport in the ring at that time. And it didn't it like he really kind of uh fluffed it against Sebastian, but here he was a much better on point. Um I thought he was alright, like I've never been a huge fan of Damian Dunn, but uh he proved his skills a lot better here than he did last time out. I
3: think Pete's the Dunn to back, isn't he?
4: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I
1: would have thought so, yeah. I, I don't really have much to say on, on Damien Dunn, really. Um he, he seemed he seemed competent, he seemed good. i it's, it's maybe my first time seeing him. I think I probably saw the Sebastian match, I don't really remember it. Um but this one I I, I don't know. It's, it seems like we, we keep bringing in, you know, we brought in Tyler Bate twice, he lost twice. I I don't know why they would do that. And um, but maybe we have plans for I mean, Dunn, I'm not aware
4: I think uh, Bait losing is the smarter idea because if Dunn had lost here, lost both his matches, he'd be done in progress. No pun intended. Like, <laughs> uh, he, he would have literally nowhere to go, nothing to sink his teeth into. Whereas Bait, like, he's over with the crowd. They're already telling a story that he's, like, very yeah, young. Yeah, like the crowd but... love, love Tyler regardless, don't yeah. they? Yeah. But with Dunn, <laughs> he ne- he Dunn needs a bit of help to, like, get over. So he needs a w- at least one win. To at least establish himself, or his bait can come back any
1: time and rock the crowd again. Yeah, and they're doing they're doing the thing where where Jim Smallman puts him over at the end of the, the end of everything he loses. So the obviously mm. like him there. So I guess. that's
3: fine. I don't think they even need to to do that. Cause like it already by the end of the match, like the crowd is just all over like everything that he's doing. Yeah, the other sequence in this uh, in this match where he did he he head butted um, Damian uh did the mustache ride and then like the flying head but like all the way across the ring and that was, uh, that was stunning stuff that
1: was that's that's a crazy head right? yeah yeah, yeah. The, and it was it looked, it looked it looked quite safe, um, safe as well star, oh yeah yeah
3: safe yes uh following on from that one uh we had the first of two matches between members of the London Riots and Sumerian Death Squad uh, determining the two stipulations on their anniversary uh, sorry, not their anniversary the Progress Anniversary (laughs) Show match that they're having Uh, this one was Michael Dante against uh, Rob Lynch Um, I I know Tommy End even tweeted this the other day uh, that he, he felt that uh, Michael Dante was not in his shadow, and that this match proved it. Um, I can see that to a degree, but every time I see Michael Dante, I'm aware that I'm not seeing Tommy End.
4: <laughs> he, he does back-up. feel very much uh, like Tommy End's backup dancer.
3: At but that said, this was a very good match. It had a, a lot of the... Uh, they were kind of going after the, the strong style approach to it it kind of started off a little bit more of a like a the old hoss fight the slobber knocker and then it went from that into something that was more legitimately tough and uh i really enjoyed the second half of the match
4: yeah some and of I the moves have... that they were some of the moves that you pulling on each other were like legitimately impressive feats of strength like they're both very big guys um but like realistically big not like uh Vince McMahon's wet dream but more like uh yeah. like legitimately tough guys like and actually like throwing each other around it was very physical um whether that translated to like a good interesting match maybe less so like there was nothing here that really wowed me but it it was certainly impressive and like it, it felt solid. very real yeah
1: yeah i think i think the guys hitting each other is always always going to be fun it doesn't always um, end up in the most spectacular match but it's you know, you don't nothing oh sorry, everything doesn't have to be blow away and I thought for for where this was, um, the two guys hitting each other was, was perfectly perfectly good. I didn't have any issue with that at all.
3: Yeah, I think instead of gone a bit over top with the uh with the striking it might have kind of made it hard to follow up on and I know they kind of aimed the the peaks of the show uh like just before the intermission and at the end. And you don't really want something to come just before that that intermission match and blow the intermission match away and give them no chance to like better it so that's, i felt like they were holding back for for the first half of the match
4: mm. it also built the feud really well like it made it feel more intense and like personal the fact that they were like dinging each other with these hard shots like chucking each other around like it felt it felt like they're building, obviously, to the Chapter 27 match, which is the big one for them. Um, so this one, didn't really have, like you say, didn't really have to be amazing. It just had to get across the feud, build up to that big match coming up.
1: Some stipulation that got announced as well. No. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I don't know how a TLC match would work inside the electric ballroom, but I'm sure it would be, um, sure be something to behold. Mm. I'm not going to see that one live, but...
3: It, it should be interesting. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of odd when they have two stipulations and the first one is TLC. It's like, well, what, where the hell do you go from
4: there? <laughs> but uh, obviously they, they kind of proved me wrong on that one. But, uh, uh, we'll think, get to that later, I think. <laughs> they've only ever done one ladder match before in the ballroom. So, yeah. And that was Jimmy Havoc versus Mark Andrews. So something a bit like that, perhaps?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that turned out okay. Hopefully.
3: Uh, the one thing uh, I'd like to kind of bring up in terms of the striking in this one was uh, Michael Dante when he throws uh, like the, the elbow or the like the forearm strike, he does so with his left arm just kind of limp by his side, and it looks weird. And now, now yes. I've seen it, I can't unsee. <laughs> it. No,
1: no, you'll never unsee that. You, could, you
3: gotta like, like grab why are you not grab the back of guy's arm yeah just either grab a hold of him or you know use it to kind of balance yourself better or just, just mm. hang in there. I'm not sure what he's doing just... <laughs> I, I don't know if he developed that when he had like uh, was selling his arm in a match or something, but it's it just looks really odd yes. <laughs> and now you all see it as
1: well, <laughs> Ruining in progress for people. yes <laughs> <laughs> plenty of other european promotions as well so.
3: Uh, yeah, well, he does work all over the place. He does. Um, yeah, so next up was the... Uh, this was the one before the intermission, wasn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the number one contenders match between uh, Zach Gibson and Mark Haskins. Uh, I really find it hard to put into words how much I, I dislike Zach Gibson. Um, I'm not sure if it's it's because he's a Liverpool supporter or he comes out to the, you never walk alone. Or whether it's because he just has these little moments in a match where he where everything is going really well and then he just he, he just kind of hesitates and makes it look not real. I think it's a combination of those two.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's gotta be the easiest job in the world though we'll coming from Liverpool and then, you know, working in a promotion. Oh, he's a heat machine, Runs, isn't he? <laughs> <it? laughs> primarily in London and Manchester, it's yeah. Uh, it's an easy enough job. I I don't mind him. Um, I think he's he's there are some people that I I dislike a lot more than him. I think he's uh, when he's when he's working well, he's works a lot better than some people. But yeah, he does have those moments where he kind of just looks a little bit lost. Still, so I don't know how long he's been he's been working for or wrestling for, but uh, he's, he's got time to improve sure.
3: Yeah, I, I would hope to see improvement from him. Uh, this was certainly a very good match by. Zach Gibson's standards. Uh, Mark Haskins, though, I I think we're all really on board with the, let's just put Mark Haskins in, in all the matches. Just all of them. I would watch <laughs> it. <Haskins>. Yeah, just <laughs> come out. I would watch all. Just turn I'm, everything into a triple threat and put Haskins in everything.
4: I am disappointed that I missed his match with Kenny Omega. Like, it was in Swindon of all uh, places, which is was, a weird place, but... <laughs> was
3: that right yeah. before this... It was five, or was
1: it twenty-six? It was right. It in, was right oh, before twenty-five. Yeah, it was like a couple of I, days ago. Um, I ended up in Dublin watching OTT that weekend, and um, so I was OTT then progress, which was uh, oh wow, fun little trip. But um, yeah, I was really upset that I missed that Kenny Omega match as yeah. well, but you know, uh, I was
3: kind of out of the loop. I didn't even hear about it until after it had happened, and it just, yeah, it's just annoying to 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 find that out afterwards. Yes, that would be annoying. Um, so I've lost my train of thought now. Um, yeah, uh, Mark Haskins, of course, yeah. Keep going, Mark Haskins. When it comes to, like, the normal things that Gibson does that annoy me, uh, Haskins was there to kind of close that space down. Uh, and This is what really good wrestlers do, is they, they see other people's flaws and they kind of make amends for it. Mm-hmm. So when he's kind of telegraphing stuff, Haskins is on top of him too quickly so he can't. Um so that made this a lot easier for me to watch than the normal Gibson matches. Plus the countering, some of the, the mat countering they did, especially the finished like uh, submission to submission stuff. Yeah. Um down the down the stretch at the end there. Really, really good countering.
1: I feel like it's maybe something that Mark Haskins has, has helped with. Um yeah, because I, I seem to remember I went and saw um a couple of live shows down in London maybe in two thousand and fourteen and there was a few, you know, people with um submission finishers and they would lock them on like saying no I'm die, right? So he would lock on his knee bar and the crowd would kinda of pop for, for the application but then kinda of die out as, as the hold was was on. I feel like Mark Haskins um, and a couple of other people have, have you know, brought the crowd in now to where they're, they're reacting all the way through, like a struggle towards the ropes, that kind of thing. And I think in this match, certainly with him, um, countering out of whatever um, Zach Gibson calls with thing, anything, the London Dungeon thing, Shankly Gates, Shankly, Shankly <laughs> Gates, yeah, um, countering out of that. I think the, the crowd was was up for it the whole time, which is not something I would have expected to see even a couple of years ago. I think.
3: I, what I really like about Haskins as as well is that um he just he doesn't have like one finish and he doesn't even have just one submission finish. He's got he's got like three or four. <laughs> so he's he's used the uh the armbar that uh, Tommaso Champa stole. Um yeah. he's got the stretch muffler, the sharpshooter, and I think
4: there's another one as well that he's been using that I can't
3: remember. Oh, some
1: sort of, of like triangle choke or
4: something like that. No oh, yeah yeah. Like um, they called it uh Hell's Gate. On commentary, but yeah, on.
3: yeah, he's he's got a lot of stuff in his in his arsenal now, and it's th- the way that he's transitioned from being a, a flyer with kind of yeah, limited potential because of his size to being this this incredibly gifted all rounder. It's it's been a tremendous transformation, and uh, uh, this uh, series thing that WWE is doing, this um, uh, global cruiserweight series. He should be
1: in it, and I think he will be. And I think he will do well. He should be. It seems odd that um, all the people like you know Osprey and, and Skaro and that kind of thing are going over to, to America and Haskins is just kind of <laughs> kind of hanging about. Because I would say he's he's up there with, with both of those guys at least. Um, I I I really like him, and I don't I don't know.
3: Well, in terms of like polish, in terms of like his all round game, I'd say he's uh, you know above them. Uh, I think you know, Osprey is definitely a, a more entertaining wrestler when it comes to all the high spots that he's capable of, um, and, and skill probably has the better character. But then Haskins, technically, he, he's so sound that uh, I'd put him above anyone, really, in Britain, apart no, from up. Sabre.
1: Yeah, I said after this match that he, he just seems to walk around from you know, standing ovation to standing ovation. I can't remember... <laughs> York Hall show aside, too lethal. I can't remember a Mark Aston's match I've been at recently where the crowd just isn't up on their feet at the end of it, which is uh, which is saying something really because he gets put in, he gets put in with not the best um, competition at times, and he seems to drag the best out of them.
4: I enjoyed his um, underrated T-shirt because <laughs> he's like that's almost like his gimmick now that uh he isn't as recognized or at least not like globally as Osprey or Skull because he hasn't been up to PWG he hasn't like been the champion anywhere but he's putting on these great matches on the undercard or in like semi main events and like you say like just stealing everyone's attention and it's not even with like the flashy moves like Osprey has he's his I think his style is very flashy but it's all very—it's very much ground-based and physical. And I was gonna say the way he wrestles doesn't allow for any hesitation. Gibson can't look lost because Haskins is always on him with the next move straight away. And I think people really appreciate that kind of like intense wrestling. I think he's the kind of guy who can make just about anybody look good. And if
3: there's one thing that wrestling will will never run out of a need for, it's guys like that. So he's mm. always gonna have. A spot somewhere. (laughs) Um, After the uh, intermission, intermission, (laughs) uh, we had uh, Paul Robinson versus Flash Morgan Webster. See, I thought I was going to hate this as well. I I came into the the match going, Uh, but there there are two things about uh, Paul Robinson that I really like. Uh, One is that he feels legitimate. Like he, he feels like he is that person that he's portraying. And two, everybody hates him. So it's it's really easy to work against him because you kind of immediately got the crowd support because <laughs> it's like, well, you don't want to support Robinson, so you're going to support whoever is wrestling Dobby the House Elf. <laughs> um, so Flash Morgan Webster had a, a, an easy job here and I thought he did alright. I've got to say, I'm not the biggest Flash Morgan Webster fan, but uh I I thought he did a pretty decent job of being the the like baby face in, in peril in this one.
4: I thought this was uh the best Webster performance in a year, uh, since his natural progression series final against Gibson. Uh I thought he he looked very confident in this one, perhaps because Robinson was able to shoulder all of like the heat magnet stuff so that Webster didn't have to like like panhandle to the crowd for Support like he just got it naturally, and he really like I, thrived. I on
3: hate it. that anyway. I hate that whole. Like, <laughs> Come on, clap for me! Clap, 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 clap. Like,
4: no, <laughs> no. But Wait, he didn't do like, any of that really. Yeah. Much?
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah i'll I'll, I'll save my good. positive talk on, on on him for the next show because i i didn't I didn't enjoy this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I am, you know, he's he's. I I don't want to say anything too negative. Flash we'll to oh, He's fine. He's fine. He's he's a lot better than, than maybe he used to be, um. And certainly on the, on the next show, we're gonna look at he's. I've got some actually quite nice things to say about him. But in terms of this match, I just I don't know. He was. I, I don't even have. I, I'm not gonna. I,
3: I don't say mind him so much as a wrestler as I do the character that he has. I don't really know what he's doing with the character. It's just. He's kind of like a hand slapping baby face mod gimmick, which I, the two things shouldn't exist in the same place. No. I don't like his ring
1: gear. He has horrendous. He has the worst ring gear. That might actually be it. I might just hate his <laughs> ring gear. His yeah. jacket and his, and his face. It. The hair? Oh, yeah, it's
4: just, it's, <laughs> Do you want to hate on my hair? hair? I, I
3: don't, don't like his hair. Just, makes people <laughs> the jam if he changed like the jam. all of those things, then I'm yeah. sure he'd be fine.
4: I think he would be better as a heel, actually. Like, a high-flying heel. I think that would be quite interesting to see. And also, like, the mod gimmick, I think, is more, like, heelish, like, it's sort of anti-authority kind of thing. I oh,
3: don't know, I just hate mods.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and on that note... Um, yeah, so I thought that was alright, but... Um, uh, what do you think of the I finish? I don't remember like... who won. I was a DQ, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think the problem with that is that I think you've got those two guys. I think neither of them could really take another clean pin because they'd both been losing quite a lot. So it had kind of got to the place where they needed to do something screwy. But um, we did say before the show that we thought they'd be kind of something, you know, a match at least where there wasn't a clean finish and this would be this one. But uh, um, if they're going to pick a match to do it in. Yeah.
4: Do you think this is building to a feud between the two, or like at least another match, like a No DQ style match, or do you think they'll just drop it since Webster was in like a completely different thing on the next show?
3: I think there's potential for a a more violent match. Um, mainly because I just want to see you know Flash get busted open. But, um,
1: <laughs> that's just because of his face. Yeah. I will say, um, just as a side note, um, if you ever want to know what it sounds like um, or looks like to have somebody mark out over a wrestler using their own music, I was, um, I was sitting not too far away from Scrooby's Pit uh, during this show, Oh wow. he was So he was so excited, I, I didn't really recognize him, I was I said to him, the person I was with, I was like, that guy looks a bit like Sergium System of a Down, um, <laughs> and, and he was like, that's Scrooby's Pit, so I was like, oh. But but he would say, yeah, he was very excited about his music being because Paul Robinson, that's his entrance music. Yeah.
4: That's the Scroobius Pip's uh song for Robinson uses is probably like my favourite entrance theme in progress and like one of my favourite entrance themes in all of wrestling and like it fits in perfectly. So that's awesome. <laughs> I don't
3: actually remember what his music is that
4: shows uh, <laughs> how much I'm
1: paying attention. It takes it takes about forty five seconds to get going, which is why Everyone seems to be just waiting about for Paul Robinson.
4: But that gives people time to put their fingers up, so it works. Yes, it
1: does.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So after that one we had uh, the ladies um, Tony Storm, Dahlia Black, uh, Ginny and Pollyanna in a fatal four-way match. Um, You had a couple of extracurricular characters out there as well. Dahlia was cornered by TK Cooper uh, her partner in the South Pacific Power Couple. And Ginny was cornered by her assistant Elizabeth, who will be making her debut soon, I think. I can't remember her opponent. I looked at it just before we started and I've forgotten it already.
4: I think that was an Endeavour show, so not a chapter debut.
3: Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. In, she's on Endeavour again. Someone. B Priestley. B Priestley.
4: I would really like to talk about. Um the South Pacific Power Couple and their gimmick and what everyone thought of that because that was something that like was very very interesting (laughs) I would say and Uh, probably divided opinion quite a lot
3: I wasn't too keen on it to start with because um, anytime I see like a boyfriend character accompanying a lady wrestler I'm reminded of uh, WEW which is the worst promotion in the history of all time (laughs) Uh, And they constantly had these, like, boyfriend characters who'd end up being asshole wife beaters. And they'd just hit all these horrible moves on on women. And uh, I got that feeling all over again when he walked out with her. I was just like, oh, this isn't going to end well. But um, to be fair, I thought they played that quite well.
1: I, I would need to see more of it, see where it was going. I don't know that it's needed um, because it seems to me. I, first time I have seen Valerie Black here, yes, she seems she seems pretty good. I, I don't know that, that she needs uh, strange kind of whatever you want to call that, just kind of locked up. Yeah, I, I think it kind of made her look a bit weak,
3: whereas all the other three came across a lot better um, in terms of their character from that match, like they all came across as like strong and individual people even uh, Ginny with the way that she used uh, her assistant mm. that made her look strong as opposed to uh, Dahlia it was more her almost a reliance yeah. on her boyfriend and that made her look weaker as a performer so I, I don't think it's probably the best idea for her to start out this way but uh, if she's good enough then it won't matter
4: Uh, I got a kick out of uh, the whole gimmick. Just, like, seeing them jump on each other at literally every opportunity was just, like, it reminds me of too many people. (laughs) Like, uh, my age, you know. (laughs) That's the sort of behaviour that I, you know, see around on nights out and stuff. So it was just funny seeing that in, like, a heel wrestler character role. And um, maybe it's not conducive to, like... Amazing matches or like showcasing Dahlia in a great way, but like it was, it, it was certainly, it certainly made an impact and like showed immediately what kind of awful people these people are.
3: Uh, but then she was immediately outdone by Ginny uh, because her outfit was made by Gucci's very best child lives. <laughs> that was amazing. So that, that's some top character work, that is. I was very impressed with Ginny, actually, from uh, considering her inexperience compared to, say, like, Tony Storm, Pollyanna, uh, I thought she came across really well in this match. Although, I suspect some of the the bigger, more organised spots were Pollyanna. Uh, <laughs>
4: Progress Progressor kind of uh, gone all in on Ginny as, like, a character, um, like, because she's from the Projo, uh, like, she's, like, their toy, almost, so... Like she obviously has a lot of confidence in the progress ring because they know that they're fully supporting her as like the top heel of their burgeoning women's division, and obviously like Pollyanna is her foil essentially.
1: Yeah, she's she's good. I have not seen enough of her to say um, you know how much she has improved, but at the moment she's she's really she's really good. I don't see it. I think her and Paul, um, Pollyanna certainly kind of stood out in this match. I think later on, maybe, um, we'll, we'll talk about Dahlia Black. But in this match, it seems like Pollyanna and, and um really kind of stood out as, as the two. I guess they are the main focuses of, of the focus of women's division, if you want to call it that, anyway. um, So, yeah, that was, uh, I think she's very impressive. I really like Tony Storm. Um I, I really liked it's like Tony Stone.
3: she she had this whole um it's like she came out and she's got like this girly girl uh, uh blonde hair and dee and good looks and then she comes down to the ring and just beats the shit out of people. <laughs> it's, it's it's a lovely little um, counterbalance to her uh, the the appearance and the performance are not the same. And uh, I enjoyed that. she has got very thick legs
4: as well. Not like time of <laughs> thick, but uh, <laughs> Female, Tyler she essentially yeah, is Tyler female, Andrew. Tyler Bate, but
3: <laughs> I can't remember if she's either from Australia or New Zealand. I think it's New Zealand.
4: Dahlia Black's from New Zealand. And Tony Storm's from Australia.
3: Australia. So... Right, okay. Don't want to get those mixed up because they don't like each other.
4: No. <laughs> uh, I didn't really get a lot from Pollyanna here. Like, um... I, I recognise that she's a good wrestler, she's probably the best wrestler of the four, but, like, I just feel like her character is a bit lacking at this point, other than she doesn't like Ginny, there's nothing really to sink your teeth into. Like, Dahlia and Ginny have, like, such a str- such strong characters, and I can really, like, uh, get into them as, like, I understand where they're coming from, but Pollyanna really didn't have anything that I could relate to or support, other than she likes to beat up Ginny. I
3: think she probably would have, like, the uh, respected veteran uh, persona, if she had been wrestling for, for Progress for a long time, whereas like because there's so little uh, women's wrestling in the in the history of Progress, she hasn't got that. But she would have if they'd have had her on shows going back to the start, because that's that's the way she carries herself.
4: What did we think of the actual match, Bo?
1: Oh, I liked it. It came across a lot better live than it did on tape. I don't know if that was um, just you know the crowd. The crowd are I really mean, they're ready to give and, you know anyone when, when they come out. They're ready to give them um, as much energy as they can. And I think they, they got a hold of the crowd and actually you know yeah I mean they, they did. They got them going. Whereas on on tape you could kind of you could kind of see a few of the kind of missteps which you didn't really see live. Um mm. But i I really like that still like just maybe wasn't at a level that i, I get crazy i think we
3: were we are a little bit worried about them throwing all four of them in together, but that gave the crowd four whole different approaches to the match and like uh, different
4: things to bite upon so I think it ended up working out quite well for for all concerned. There were a lot of antics in the match like um <laughs> with a lot of hair cutting and interference yeah. um which ma- which sort of made it a bit difficult to actually sink your teeth into the match as a wrestling contest, but like I think everyone's character got across really well, especially Dahlia. Yeah. I think
3: that's what they were aiming for, so um I mm. think it's job done. Uh after that match we had the the final match on Chat shit, get banged. Uh I don't want to get a chance to say that again, so was might as well get it in.
0: Was the end whenever.
3: ah uh, yeah, Gandhi. Might be the same. So uh, it was those for the Progress Championship. It was uh, Will Ospreay defending his title against Marty Skrull. And we were kind of excited about this one because uh, they had an absolute blow-away match at high stakes uh, for Rev Pro like what, two
1: weeks beforehand? Just over a week. Though.
3: Just over a week? It wasn't even... Yeah, it wasn't a long time beforehand. And that was an incredible match. Everyone really enjoyed that. I completely derailed the last uh, podcast and, like, screwed up Rob's running order and everything by moving that discussion on that match straight to the top of the show. I didn't like this match as much as that one, but it was very good. It was just different.
1: Yeah, I would I would say the same. I think um being at both matches matches live, I think this one was more they had the, the kind of storytelling element at the end, like handcuffs and the uh, well, not the umbrellas I guess there was a, there was a lot of stuff that Marty ended up doing towards the end that that kind of progress the story more so than the, the Rev Pro match, which just kind of action from from beginning to end. And um, I thought up until the point where we're kind of um, everything got slowed down and we couldn't really do anything. I thought it was on par. I mean, we had we had stuff like the Balcony Moon Salt that kind of thing, which which couldn't really do um, at Rev Pro, which they, they took it. They definitely took advantage of the the no DQ stipulation, and I think it was. It was getting to the point where I was I was almost as into it as I was in the the Rev Pro match, but then they kinda had to do the storytelling stuff at the end, which maybe took it down a notch, but I don't think I don't think it was a bad thing. I think that that needs to be there to establish Marty as kind of completely ruthless as is what they're going for with them.
4: This match oh, had a, <laughs> This match had a very different uh feel to it than the high stakes one, which felt very exhibition y, like showing off just how good they were. This was more this was more about the championship, more about um like the personal rivalry between the two. Like there was maybe like five minutes of showcase stuff here. Like um well, they, they especially the, the
3: some of the best showcase things that they did in the Red Pro match they kind of snuck into this one. It yeah. was just kind of to transition between bits of storyline and because they'd already got that
1: down, it was seamless. Yeah, but like there's a couple of reversals of reversals from mm-hmm. carrying over from the Red Pro match as well. Um which which was, uh, was nice.
4: There were three really impressive spots in this match that really meant a lot, uh, to just how like hype it got in the end. The the balcony moonsault, which was so smooth and just felt so natural, like only will Osprey can pull that sort of move off, whereas other people would sort of hesitate or take a while to get set up, Osprey just jumps on, jumps straight off, it looks really awesome. Um, And the umbrellas, just like, Marty coming prepared, and pulling out just this stash of umbrellas, and just <laughs> so smacking Osprey over them. He's mastered the umbrella shot, minute. certainly.
2: <laughs>
4: and the final one was uh, Skrull just chucking Osprey through the announcer's table, like, Osprey, yeah. um... Skull, like, threw Osprey through the curtain. Osprey like, jumped back doing some Spider-Man stuff. And then Skull just shrugged it off, got him in a powerball position, and just chucked him up through the announce table. Again, because it, there was no, like, set-up, it didn't feel yeah. forced, he just got him up, threw him straight down, and, it, like, everyone was just going crazy. And... I, yeah, I was going to bring that spot
3: up, because uh, that really popped me as well. It was just the... Uh... The way it felt so natural, the way it happened, it just—it didn't feel like one of these. Oh, let's clear all the debris off the table first. I don't want to, don't want to hurt anybody. It was just like this, <laughs> you know. Osprey goes for one crazy spot.
4: It's counted. Boom! Power bomb through a table. But people could learn like a, a lot from that. This. Was a really important spot for the match because after that, Osprey really didn't get any offense in. That sort of was the kill shot on him. And then, like he's carried, it, limp to the ring, and handcuffed in the, for the rest of the match.
3: He did get in the, uh, the, like the visual uh, submission with the, um, was it the umbrella crossface type yeah. thing? So that was just after the table.
4: Okay. Yeah, i see
3: what you mean. It did. It was like a momentum swinger, but he uh, did have one more comeback.
1: I love love that match, though. So I mean, that was two matches in a week from from the same two people that I, I would put up against in anything that's happened this year. And in general, I think they are both, both so, good, so good. Well, they're both already having
3: really big years, and it, <laughs> we're only like two months in, and they're, they're both already like way at the top of uh, a lot of match of the year lists and uh, wrestler of the year lists, so they're, they're, they're doing really well. Um, so that was chapter 25. Chat should get banged. Um, uh, before we move on to chapter 26, I thought we'd bring up some news that has kind of come in since 26 came up. Uh, a few bits and pieces. First of all, that um, Pro have named the first big name for their Summer Sizzler show on the 10th of July this year. Uh, the Your Call show, and it's Katsuyori Shibata. Um,
1: I don't think they've actually named him. He's on the on poster. <laughs> that's named mental. <laughs> when,
3: when they put that poster out last year and they had an Ishii on it, um, I wouldn't have bought a ticket. That's yeah. <laughs> the same.
1: That's exactly. I, I can't, we can't come out soon enough.
3: Yeah, as soon as the tickets oh, yeah. are out, I'll, I'll be buying tickets. I, that's I don't even know if I can get that week off work or that weekend. I don't <laughs> care. I'm going. Um, so yeah, as, as far as like names of people that they could have put on that card to sell it, we had like a like a wish list, and it was like him and Ibushi, and I think there wasn't really anyone else that was like a a definite. If this person is on, I will go. Mm. Uh, Shibata's so, like
4: the only guy they haven't featured from like the very top of New Japan now of people who are still in New Japan. Kota <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: he's off yeah.
4: doing his uh research institute. Something now but uh <laughs> Shibata, like oh so I, I I felt my chest welt up when I saw his picture just because I know that I'm gonna be within like 10 meters of him destroying someone's chest with kicks and slaps and whatnot on uh, July yeah, that's very exciting it is I, I had the all of the emotional excitement that you could you could have
3: just kind of bottled up into one little moment when <laughs> I found out about it it's just so I had to go out immediately afterwards and I was just like <laughs> And it was, then
1: gone down again. It was such a weird announcement because <laughs> it was like I woke up at like let's say eight o'clock. We'd already announced it maybe twenty five minutes before, but it's just it just says tickets are on sale for someone says there and then there happens to be a picture of Shabbat there. So I think it was a bit of a delayed reaction and people were reacting to it because we were just like, That's fine, tickets go on sale and then it took them maybe twenty minutes to realise oh, is coming and then everyone just lost their mind completely. Quite
4: smiling. Who do you want to see face Shibata?
3: Uh,
1: Tom end Mark Gaskins. Mark Gaskins <laughs> with everyone.
3: Triple threat. Yes. There you go. Um, anyone? <laughs> <More> <laughs> frankly, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I really don't care who he wrestles against. I just want to see him. But, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, some. Less fantastic news uh, is that Jimmy Havoc has uh, torn his ACL. I believe um, I forget if it's um, just the ACL or whether it was the uh, meniscus as well. But he is as yeah ACL and MCL. Um, he's going to be out for a while. He's going to need surgery because um, the ACL is not something that will repair itself. It, it just it's going to need um, repairing. So that's, that's bad news. Uh, typically an ACL is going to set you back at least what, four months, if not more. Um, on the plus side of knee injuries, uh, it looks like Tommy Ends isn't as serious because there was a, a possibility that he also was going to be out with a, uh, with a tear, but it looks like it's just a, a, a sprain. Uh, sort of sprain, a strain, and he should be back in action. Hopefully uh, sooner rather than later because uh, Progress have that big show in like a month mm. and they've done a lot to build up to it, so it would be unfortunate if he was uh, injured and missed
1: it. it doesn't mean that ACW are missing their mighty coming in, but.
3: Yeah, yeah, they've lost sorry. that one, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. I...
1: Uh,
3: no replacement named as yet. So unfortunate. I like Tommy. I hope he's. Uh, I hope he heals his knees up and comes back good as ever. Same with the uh, Jimmy Havoc. Sending a lot of positive thoughts out to Jimmy and his uh, rehabbing his knees. No oh, knee, knee or knees. I forget. Is it one or both? Just one. Just one. Anyway, moving on uh, to the wrestling. Uh, Progress Chapter 26, Unknown Pleasures. It's it's alright, it's no chat shit, get banged. Yep. Um, that came from Manchester at the Ritz Hotel. Uh, that took place on Valentine's Day this year, and it was up on Pivot Share in far more timely fashion, so we can take a look at that as well.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah,
3: it was... Uh, yeah, I had the, a lot of trouble with this one. Buffering um, pleasures. <laughs> that was not an unknown pleasure, that was a known displeasure. <laughs> uh, I haven't, to be fair, I haven't had a lot of problems with, with Pivot Share. I, I know a lot of other people have, uh, but I did with, with 26. It uh, Several times during the show it just kind of didn't want to play, and I had to <laughs> click on a couple of seconds to get it to, to get going again.
1: It feels to me like, you know, if, you're, if you get onto uh, a video and it's working okay, it'll, it'll, genuine, it'll generally work okay for the, for the duration of the show. But if you're having problems, you're, you're going to struggle with that, that specific video just going forward. I don't know exactly what the issue is, but it's happened every, maybe a couple of times to me, and it's, it's frustrating because you just want to watch the show. really, do really you? and it's, uh, it's yeah,
3: I had problems for about, what, like, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, the the rest of the show was absolutely fine, so I, the, the majority of it I I was fine with, but uh, yeah, it was frustrating. Um, so the show uh, kicked off with the origin again, but this was uh, Zach Gibson and the Bastard Dave Mastiff going up against uh, Sweet Jesus uh, William Eva and Chuck Mambo, um, Big Damo and Joe Coffee, uh, Coffee making his uh, progress debut. And the Dazzler team of Daryl Allen and Earl Black Junior. Um, what did you make
1: of this one, Ian? Um it was it was an opener. It was you know, it seemed to me that it, it, it was going along pretty well um until Joe Coffee kind of landed on his head at some point towards the end there uh, and the things just got a little bit messy. I think up to that point it was it was good, it was it was exciting, it was Kind of similar to the the old the the um, chat show get banned. Show um, <laughs> just with a lot more a lot more people just kind of running about the place. Um, but yeah, that Joe Coffee um, kind of bad landing. wasn't great. And then yeah, that of-
3: was um, one of the many flaws of having the Dazzler team in there uh, <laughs> because they dropped him on his head. Um, mm. Also. Pretty much everything else that went wrong in the match was their fault.
1: Old
4: mm. Black Jr. is still very green. Like, I don't think he was there really he ready for this role. Um, Daryl Allen's a bit more experienced than, like, he trains the guys. But uh, I don't really rate him as, like, a chapter-level competitor. They were really only here to get tossed around at the end of the match by uh, Coffee and Damo. So, like, to make them look more dangerous. Um... Within the match itself, they, yeah, they kind of stunk it up a bit. But when they were out of the ring, I thought, like, it was a pretty strong match. Like, it was all action, no real, like, tag rules or anything. But, um, like, I guess the goal was to get over the Coffee Demo team, who should be tagging together forward. I think it's a fantastic team, but, like, you won't see anywhere else. So, definitely a team that uh, Progress can push heavily. I think it was kind of odd that they had the Origin win, um, given that the other
3: half of the origin are the tag team champions, it seemed yeah like this was an opportunity to get another team over and put them into title contention. Which I thought that was strange that didn't happen. Because who who do you really have to, to challenge for the, the tag titles now?
1: No, I seem to have been the uh the I before that, I'm not I'm not
3: really sure. Yeah, it does feel like they've kind of left themselves with like a show where the origin aren't really going to be defending at all, and yeah, I don't really see a a, a team to go after them. I they, they could have possibly just put Sweet Jesus over here. I'd have had no problem with that and have them uh, uh, go for the the titles and, and lose. That would have been fine. But yeah, it seems odd to me that they have put uh, Gibson and Mastiff over um i d- must admit i didn't like this match very much but that was largely because of of uh, the dazzler team i i felt that like when they came in it just kind of got really disjointed and you could see things going wrong it's like the, <laughs> there were some good ideas but it's just yeah the execution
1: wasn't quite there i definitely i noticed that towards like the end it was it was I think the last maybe two or three minutes were, were a lot sloppier than you would have wanted, and I was putting that down to the, the kind of fall, but it could have just been because because the Dazzler team were not, not so great. Um, I will say, though, it's, it's good to see Joe Coffey um, somewhere where, where they actually wrestle. Um, uh, Definitely. Before, uh, he kind of gets stuck in ICW, kind of, you know, he's there to be the wrestler, but he never, he never has any real... Wrestling matches, maybe two or three a year. he will have, you'll have proper matches. Otherwise, he's just kind of stuck in the same, same angles as, as everyone else. So it's mm-hmm. it's good to see him in a in a, in a place where they emphasise actually good he is as a as a performer.
3: Well, he, he won't be short of opponents. Uh,
1: he was very over
4: to begin with. Like people, obviously, like are watching ICW and uh, knew who he was to begin with. Like he he wasn't any stranger to the Progress audience, and like. Not only was he not a stranger, he was, like, the most over-participant in the whole match. So, that was very interesting to see.
1: Yes, he is, yes. He is really like I mean, I get to see him. You know, I, He also works in Discovery, which is in Edinburgh, which is not not too far from where I am. And he gets to kind of, you know, work a more you know, physical style there, but there's not that many people there. I don't know. I think they put their shows up on YouTube, but it's kind of, it's a bigger audience. It's, it's more work-free audience, but it's a good thing already.
4: What do you guys think of the tag team of Damo and Coffee?
1: Yeah, I mean, to the memory, what else would you want?
3: Um, I Personally, I would, I would like to see Joe Coffee get more singles opportunities, but um, having him in the promotion is, is better than not. Um, it, it's a good chance for, for Progress to, to show they can use talent better than ICW. Um, it's kind of hard to to say which one uses talent better at the moment, but uh, it depends on your perspective. I, I know what Rob's
4: is, <laughs>
1: but, and uh, also
4: um, turning them heel like right out the gate. It's it's yeah, a risky move because they're both very popular and like they both they're both baby faces in ICW. So it, it was an odd move, certainly to like see how over they both were coming in and then immediately turning them heel. And having the origin as like already the top heel unit, it might get a bit cluttered, but we'll see where it goes.
3: Yeah, I'm always willing to give progress kind of the benefit of the doubt and uh, say, you know, this is odd, but we'll see what happens. Uh, second match on the card uh, was Bubblegum against um, the divisive Jack Sexsmith. Um, I know you're not a fan, Ian, uh, so I'm going to throw to Ollie to start with um, for what he thought of this contest.
4: Um, The match itself, really nothing. Like, it was a lot of both men sticking their hands down their trousers and rubbing them against each other. It was very DDT. Like, Sex Myth is basically Dan Shokodino, but uh, translated to like Brit- british culture essentially um i i like his entrance i'll give him that like i like just how unshameless he is well shameless yeah <laughs> how shame- <laughs> how shameless he is and just like <laughs> he's he's willing to do anything for a laugh and get the audience involved like squirting the cream into the old lady's mouth and like <laughs> when when he was like kicked to the outside during the match like Sticking his head the in the man's row. crotch, and then it was like it was like pure. It was like watching Forty Towers. He had his head in his ma- yeah, head in the man's crotch, and then like he turns over and put like sits on the other guy's lap and puts like his hand on the on the third guy's genitals. Like it's just, it's just funny stuff, and it gets the crowd involved. But like it it's an act that has limited shelf life. Like it's funny the first time you see it, but I can't imagine that like six months from now. I'm still going to be like enjoying it. like I think it needs- all
3: comes down to like, what's behind the gimmick. Uh, and when The Undertaker debuted, I think we all looked at him and went like, oh, eh, I don't really get what's going on here. And, but because he believed in the gimmick, it was fine. But then he became a much better worker. Uh, whether Sexsmith has any sort of longevity will be down to what kind of a wrestler he is and how he modifies that. Uh, I can understand him not going out there and just kind of like, you know, having a technical match, but he needs to find a moveset to suit his character that doesn't involve just, you know, mm. sticking his hand up his ass.
4: And I'd say Bubblegum is an example of that. Like, he sticks his hand down his crotch a lot and does the whole cheese gimmick, but, um, like, he's a competent wrestler outside of that and, like, works in the arrogant uh, little twat gimmick into the wrestling. So we'll see where Sexsmith can go. Um, like I, as long as he like continues to improve on like endeavor shows and doesn't like get overexposed on the chapter shows, I think he'll be okay.
1: Yeah, I like his entrance. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> I, I was <laughs> kind of hoping for you
4: to assassinate him there, but
1: uh, no. I'll, uh, I mean, he, um, yeah, his entrance is nice. Um, it seems like whatever he's, he's doing in the ring is just kind of everything to and everything. I understand he's, he's got a gimmick too kind of work with but I don't know, once once the bell actually rings I don't I don't think any of it's particularly particularly funny. and um, it's, it's kind of just I, I it doesn't seem very good that's um that's all I'll so say. Yeah, I don't I don't really like it really there like there, very much.
3: There are hints of like Joey Joey Ryan in there. Um uh, I and instead of the lollipop he's kinda of using his fingers which I think is
4: possibly even more disgusting.
1: Oh way more so much more.
4: I've also seen a like a lot of split opinion as to like um for lack of a better term, like how progressive his act is. Like, um I saw Callum Leslie, former guest, Brit British Restaurant Table, also commentator on the Manchester Progress shows, like um like calling him like I can't remember exactly what he said, but like comparing him to Deadpool and like saying how good it was to see like a character like that portrayed, but I've also seen um, Rob um, and others like say that it's sort of anti-progressive and like setting it back almost I'm not really like in a great position to judge but it's just interesting to see like that kind of split opinion and it's a divisive character certainly I, I think the character is absolutely fine it's just um when you take that character
3: and put it into a, a wrestling situation it you can't just rely on on dick jokes there has to be a there has to be substance there and he's he's got the act down, which is impressive because he's not been around very long but um y- you need more to it than that um even yeah. so I' just off the top of my head I just thought about Eugene um where he, he had uh, like a, <laughs> yeah a, just an atrocious gimmick but he he embraced the gimmick and kind of went with it. But he was a really good wrestler, and he still couldn't get it to work. So it's there needs to be like something to back up
1: the pizzazz. Yeah, I think at the moment there's no focus on anything other than, than what he's what he's doing um, in terms of, of his gimmick. There's no, I don't, I don't even know if he, he has any moves. I know he puts like condor on his hand, and that's his finisher. So that doesn't feel like his <laughs> finisher. Mr. Cocker. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't. It just seems like a big gimmick, and after the entrance, music's off. Like, I just, I just you know, just... that entrance is really good, though. Yes, yes, yeah. Um,
3: when um, Bubblegum asked him if it was Adam Johnson under the the Gimp mask, <laughs> I, I, I I was amused by that. And they, they, uh, he said, "No, it can't be. It's an over eighteen show." <laughs> good stuff. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, moving on. Um. And away from pedophiles, um, the <laughs> South Pacific Power couple were up next: uh, TK Cooper and Dahlia Black, wrestling against Flash Morgan Webster and Pollyanna in a intergender match.
4: Yeah, it was good uh, to see, it? like, actual follow-up to the women's four-way from a previous chapter, because the last time they had a uh, a women's match, they didn't do anything for about six months, and like until the four-way. So, like, it was good to see immediate follow-up to the stories that had developed since then. Also, it was great to see South Pacific Power Couple again. Like, um, their um, sexual desires unfulfilled from the previous chapter, because they were still jumping on each other. I, I really
1: enjoyed it. I think this match got um, quite a lot of hype coming out of the out of the live show, um, from what I read anyway, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think maybe... It's the best that you were saying, you know, the Paul Robinson match was your, your best you've seen Flash Morgan. I think this is the first time I've actually enjoyed uh, Morgan Webster in a match. I thought he was I thought he was good. I thought um Dahlia Black was fantastic. I thought Pollyanna was very good. I don't really I didn't really pay attention to T K Cooper that much. I don't I don't know that he I don't know that he contributed a whole lot, but it's, it's in terms of the match itself I thought I thought it was really good.
3: I probably didn't like it that much. Um, I, it was okay. It was good. Um, but I, I don't know. There were moments where it was just a bit too clunky for my liking. I think there's the inexperience of, of the people that are in, in this match didn't result in in spots that I thought looked right. It's like some of the pre-planned stuff. Um, you had like a, an accidental stunner in there that just left me kind of like raising my, the... Eyebrows
1: a little. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that that wasn't that was great. I think I might have overlooked a few things in terms of. Uh, I think I just overall enjoyed it so much that there was there was kind of um, a few things to knock it for, but I I I just didn't <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh Oh, there was good stuff in there. It's just uh, it, it was kind of a mixture of things. Honest, uh, I thought Dahlia Black as well came across a lot better in this match than she did in the four way. She looked like she could handle challenge.
4: herself this time, rather than having like rely on T.K. Goopa for all her offense. Like she was like legitimately putting P- Pollyanna in dangerous situations. So it was certainly like a better establishment of her in-ring talent than the previous chapter.
0: Yeah, um,
4: I will say that I liked the way the intergender rules worked in this, because um, in WWE whenever they do this, like it's strictly men versus men, women versus women. Here they were allowed to, it was allowed to be man versus woman, but they never, like, leaned on that. And, like, whenever it was man versus woman, they, like, quickly tagged out, like, because the issues were between the men and the women, particularly the women. And, like, everyone's motivation to wrestle the other person was very well established to the point where it never felt like it was being gratuitous, um, like of Like Cooper cost uh, Pollyanna uh, the four-way match previously, so obviously she wants to beat up him, but she also wants to get her hands on Dahlia even more. Um, so it's just the like the way of face, didn't they? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the way the tag wo- the tags worked was all very logical. There was no like Chris Dickinson wife-beater spots, which are just awful to see. Um, but like it, w- it never felt like, oh no, we must protect the women at all costs. Like they were allowed to square up with the men. They just like. The way it worked was generally it came to man versus man, versus women without having to like force it.
3: Yeah, I yeah, see what
1: you're saying there. That's, uh, that's good. I think the we, the we well, not the famous feminists, but the the way that the women came it ended up wrong. I, saying, I feel like we have got to be you know pushing towards a single match. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. yeah, they were angling that on Twitter as well, and hopefully that will be at chapter 27, just to like make it a free match trilogy. Um like they've told a really good story here. I'm hyped to see that match, so
3: Well, I have high hopes for the, there being an actual women's division, but um when uh Progress did the like Q and A thing on Twitter, somebody asked about a women's title and they were like, No. So um why? why Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know which one of them that was, but that was no. that was um yeah. A bit
1: I of an know, yeah. moment. Yeah, Tim Smallman was on, um, I guess, as a, as a thank you for him going on the show, he was on a podcast, and we kind of discussed that. I don't know that he was overly comfortable or, or um, you know, I'm overly sure about how the crowds would react to the women. I think he, he's, he's a bit more confident about it now, but he should, you know, people should maybe listen to that, because I don't know if he's dead anyway, but that, that podcast is worth a listen to him.
4: It's good that they've, like, established more than just Pollyanna and Ginny now, though. Like, I feel like Dahlia is an excellent second heel to add to the mix. Like, they've got Tony Storm. Like, they've got other women coming up through Endeavor. Like, there's definitely a solid grounds to build a women's division around. Um, I feel like by the end of the year, they could potentially have a women's championship in play in 2017.
3: Yeah, that'd be good. I, I've, um, I'm have i worried about it, but I'm less worried having seen uh, these two chapters because uh, I I think they kind of underrated the crowd a bit by thinking they're kind of a bunch of drunken yobbos and that they do kind of cheer <laughs> along for yeah. for stuff that they, they like, but they were kind of worried about perhaps putting women in, in that environment. I feel but like they as a didn't, spirit, They didn't have to spirit. worry so much.
1: Yeah, I feel like as a straight-edge MC of comedy shows in his moments, he caught a bit of a, you know, he, he knows how drunk kind of Londonos can be, so... Yeah. But, yeah, no, he's, I think <laughs> he was wrong, um, especially the one I was at, I was at the of the crowd, it so much, think, yeah. But, yeah.
3: It's it's been pleasing to see that, that shift generally, uh, like a global shift towards women's wrestling being taken seriously. It's It's been far, far too long when you consider mm. that all Japan... Uh, women's wrestling in the 90s was phenomenal it was among the best matches in the world were taking place in their rings, it's taken this long for everyone else to catch
4: up which is shameful really but at least they have now um, I I will say I hate the women's wrestling chant it's my it's it's the second worst (laughs) chant behind we are awesome, (laughs) because it just (laughs) feels like it feels very patronising I think, like I, I I'm very much a proponent of uh, show don't tell, and it feels very much like telling, you know. I mean, the uh, the always popular sort of this is wrestling
3: chant would have been fine. Oh god, yeah. It's <laughs> like
1: yeah,
3: so the first time I heard that women's wrestling chant, I was like, well, that's that's kind of nice and supportive, and then, I'd yeah, no, nah, you're kind of pointing it out as as being something different when it's actually just the same thing. It's still wrestling. Mm.
1: It's that thing about patronizing.
3: Uh mm. just the personal time. Yeah. <laughs> uh one final thing on this uh, this match what did everyone make of the kiss tag?
4: Uh <laughs> I, I just hand waved it like whatever. Sure. I've seen weirder I've seen weirder things in wrestling so it was just like okay sure it plays into the gimmick well in that they can't get off each other so yeah
3: <laughs> it, it was adorable. So, Okay, uh next up was uh Jack Gallagher up against uh another progress uh debutante in Timothy Thatcher. Um we kind of had words about uh Thatcher on the last podcast. Um Ollie, you don't like him. I do. Um Ian, where do you stand? Uh, yeah. I like him.
1: Yeah, I like him more than a lot of those um, those guys. I'll I'll let you
4: two tell me why uh, he's good and then I will shit on him for roughly two minutes if you will
3: let me <laughs> uh, Okay. Well, I I am a fan of of technical wrestling. Um Matt countering uh hold and counter hold stuff. Um I always have been going back to to like, you know classic uh NWA stuff. I I've watched uh like Broadways where there's hardly any moves in it's just it's just <laughs> wrestling and you know Jack Briscoe and oh I've, that that kind of thing it's it's the history of wrestling it's just been kind of I I feel like he's brought it up to date it's it's technically strong uh, I think the violence in his in his work is is really good I just I don't see what's there
4: to dislike to be honest but uh, do you want <laughs> um well, I can tell you what I dislike. Um, okay. Basically, basically, I like the style. Like, Zack Sabre Jr. is one of my favorite wrestlers. And, like, I can appreciate technical wrestling. Um, But I think Timothy Thatcher is absolutely terrible at the style that he works. Like, he's... Not only is he a charisma vacuum, but, like, nothing he does feels like he's trying to win the match. Like, he puts on a hold like he's seen it in like, a book of, like, wrestling holds. Like, he's looking at all the pictures of, like, people in black and white putting on he's holds. He's gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he he puts on all these holds, but he don- never looks like he's trying to win the match. He put- then puts on, like, a completely different hold like, after that. And it just feels like he's not trying to break down his opponent, because then he moves to a different body part later, and it never plays into the finish of the match. And, like, um... It just feels like he's doing holds for, like, 10 minutes. It never goes anywhere. Like, in big New Japan main events, when they spend the first 5 or 10 minutes uh, putting each other in headlocks or, uh, like, crabs or whatever, they're doing it to try and wear down their opponent. Like, Tanahashi can't hit the high fly flow unless Okada's, like, dead and, like, lying flat on his back, and the only way he can do that is to wear him down. Thatcher just feels like he's, like, showing off what he can do but never goes anywhere until arbitrarily he decides to end the match with like here Gallagher put in the hold and Gallagher and uh Thatcher just tapped out and it was like well Gallagher didn't really hit any moves on Thatcher but uh would suggest that his back was like in pain and like suddenly Gallagher just puts on a hold and it's over and it's like okay that happened (laughs) and also, Thatcher's like this big, strong, menacing guy, and then he doesn't do anything with that. Like, there was one spot in this match where, uh, like, he sort of looked like he was trying to hurt Gallagher, and that was when, like, he rolled out the ring and slammed his head into the apron, and he went straight back to, like, locking Fujiwara arm bars on him, and it's just like, that, like, you're not doing anything with your size or your strength or your intimidating look. And uh, one last thing, <laughs> one final thought. Um, like, his facial expressions are awful. Like, Gallagher did, like, a uh, he, he, like, uh, did the like Liger stretch board and then, like, slammed his knees down into the mat. And uh, Thatcher looked like he'd seen, like, the most shocking YouTube video he'd ever seen and, like, opened his mouth for, like, 10 seconds and, like, looked straight into the camera, like, look at me selling pain. And it's just like, I I don't connect with him at all, and I don't understand what he's trying to go for. Yeah, <laughs> those are all the reasons why I disliked him.
1: <laughs> I thought it was a non <laughs> I, 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 I just think he has an intensity. A, 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 maybe this match um, is not the best kind of showcase for that, but I think when he's on, he has has a kind of an intensity that, that not many other other people have. You know, if, if you don't. You know, if you don't if you don't like his, his actual style, that's fine. I, I don't think it's fair to say terrible. I it. I think if um, you don't like it that's fine. But I think the intensity that he brings in matches is is unmatched, you know, which is why I like him. I wouldn't say I love him, I don't think he's, you know, really cosmic, just the God's next gift to or anything, but I can I can watch matches with that See, the
4: thing is I don't I don't mind the style, I just think Thatcher is bad at it. <laughs> like I see Zack Sabre yeah. Jr. do stuff, and it looks incredible, and then he like struts around the ring like he's Billy Big Bollocks, and like he's, he's like so the best confident in wrestling. In the world, though, I think it's kind <laughs> of unfair to compare. To. <laughs> but if if like Thatcher's supposed to be like technical master, then I can compare him to Sabre Jr. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
3: for me, I I don't think Thatcher is like the, the finished article yet. I think he's he's on a learning curve I think he's getting better um I just like i mean like I know you're saying about how uh he doesn't focus on one body part and he just kind of you know goes from this to that and it doesn't seem like theres any flow but to me it feels like he's dismantling his opponent it's like he wants to take apart all the different parts of the body and you know break the opponent down mm-hmm. and therefore leave him sort of vulnerable to any manner of, of potential submissions. That's the but then Gallagher never
4: felt vulnerable in this match. He Gallagher wrestled like nothing had happened in the previous 10 minutes. So maybe it's that, Gallagher's that, that fault, I be, don't know. Yeah, I was going
3: to say, that wouldn't be more <laughs> Thatcher's fault. It would be more, more Gallagher in terms of like his selling. Although, to be honest, I thought Jack Gallagher did really well here. Um, I think the pressure was definitely on him uh, to step it up. Uh, Thatcher being like a, a big import and Gallagher being uh, homegrown. They haven't given him an awful lot of opportunities to, to shine in uh, like big matches. Um, I'm really pleased that he won this as well, uh, Gallagher. Yeah. I think um, that there there is real potential in him to be a, a top tier guy in, in British wrestling, and um, he's he's not there yet. But like it, he he's shown me a lot, uh, especially working uh, Thatcher to print. He can kind of go toe to toe. He didn't quite live up to um, like you're saying did the the uh, inconsistencies in the selling and stuff he wasn't quite there yet but I thought in terms of personality
4: and, and presence I thought he carried himself very well um, This was like Gallagher's first feature match uh, pretty much anywhere, certainly in progress um, I know um, he was featured heavily in the Tetsujin shoot style tournament, which uh, the DVDs are coming soon by the way, so we will be able to talk about that eventually Um uh, but this was like his first big se- sing- featured singles match. And I thought he did pretty alright in this match, regardless of what I said earlier. But where like he wasn't selling Thatcher's offense. Um, certainly towards the end, he showed like a lot of intensity. Like I really liked his big like release suplex on uh, uh, Thatcher, and he yeah he certainly has a lot of potential. Um, so he made this match not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: um, I really liked uh, Thatcher's uh, gut wrench suplexes um, where he did like a, a series of them and just kind of like refused to let go. That was that was kind of what I want from him. I want him to do that kind of uh, you know Brock Lesnar kind of power style where he can kind he can control uh, like a smaller opponent, throw him around. Um, he needs to do more of that, I think.
4: I'll say one final thing about um, Thatcher is that I feel like he plays wrestler more than, like, being. Like, uh, like I say with the facial expressions, it feels like he's going through the motions and, like, thinking, Oh, I have to, like, show that I'm in pain now, so I'll, like, like pop my eyeballs out and, like, scream or whatever.
3: Leave the poor man alone, He's <laughs> crying into his tea tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Gulak, sorry.
4: <laughs> he is better than Jewel Gulak, but... Bit music is top of the three. Yeah, it's, 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 top of I the three grapple if. fuckers. I don't know.
3: I hate that term. I fucking hate that term so much. <laughs> yeah. It, it, do we have a rule now? If anyone uses that term, I'm just booting
4: them off the call. <laughs> okay. I will never. I will never. I will never say it again. It's bad okay. from British good. Roundtable. Good. Good. It's
3: a try. <laughs> whoever came up with it. Well. Yeah. No. Just bad, bad people. Okay, <laughs> Mo- moving swiftly on. Uh, next match was a. Uh, it was a Donny Brook, I believe. It was um, Mikey Whiplash uh, against Rampage Brown.
4: I really liked uh, this one. Like it caught my attention really well. Like Rampage Brown, like he's having a bit of a series now with like really big guys and like having these host fights with them. He yeah, had a really good match with Big Daddy Valter at the end of last year, and here he was against uh, Whiplash, who's returned to Progress as um, his I C W character, rather than Michael Gilbert. is like was there strange... any any
1: explanation for that at all?
4: No, just
1: kind of went. Oh, he had a hardcore match with Miguel, right? um, and yeah, here he is making Whiplash. I don't know. He's been away for a while anyway, I suppose, but. I think part. he's
4: part of like the Manchester roster. Like, if you look at this show, there were a lot of uh, like Northern wrestlers or Scottish wrestlers featured with like the Damo Kofi tag team and Gallagher in the big match, pool intermission. Like, they're certainly with Manchester. They're focusing on Northern wrestlers a tad bit more than they would in London, where it's further away. They can't book them as much.
3: So I, I guess that's why he's I, I preferred the, the Michael Gilbert uh, character. I liked him kind of stripped down and different. I, Mikey Whiplash is a good fit for, for ICW. Um, I, I'm not so keen on him using the same gimmick in, in progress. Um, I really wasn't that into this uh, match. Uh, not like uh, Page's match with uh, Big Daddy, Volta, which I thought was better. Um this kind of felt like a lot of kicky-punchy stuff.
4: And, you know, with the odd big spot thrown in. Uh, I just... It just sort of grabbed me. Like, it had, a, it had an intangible... Like, whereas something like FSU Origin didn't grab me at all, and it was just kind of going through the motions, this one sort of grabbed my attention a bit more, and it was like, huh, like, these moves feel legit i i think i think the moment that happened was when rampage threw whiplash into the crowd and whiplash just like flies through the air and to the back of the arena like that looked really legitimate and like took out about seven seven eight rows of seats yeah but like he didn't like take it safely he just like chucked his body on the line and like i appreciate that when guys go that extra mile to like make something look really vicious
1: he got he beat up and That and Popo like back flex. I think he took and folded oh, now yeah. towards yeah. the end. That was that was some scary stuff I I say. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it seriously looked like it got folded like hmm. now, so. it looked quite it a lot like um when
4: Bushi got injured uh yeah. yeah like last year when like his neck just got crushed and uh luckily he's back now but like um, it, it looked properly dangerous, and I guess that's what piqued my interest. Was just like how good, great, Mike Whiplash's selling was, even on the finish, where um, Rampage Brown just like Spike Powell drove him, like that looked really awesome. And so credit to Whiplash for like really making this match something to sit up for.
3: I I guess I kind of slept on that one. I I didn't really feel as strongly about it, but um, yeah, I guess it was okay. Um, Sorry, moving on. uh, (laughs) James Davis against Tommy M. This is the other match uh, of the SDS uh, London Riots. Um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It's the uh, stipulation uh, match. Yes, the the S helped. (laughs) Um, uh, This one uh obviously having tommy end in it it was it's uh, has a, a lot more star power i guess um i've really enjoyed this um i i don't think tommy end can do anything wrong at the moment and uh james davis he uh he did a very good job of, of standing up to him Bleeding from the mouth and spitting in
1: his face, and, yeah, that was yeah. just like so that in face.
3: That was pretty crazy. That's that's the kind of intensity that they had with this one, which I, I don't think uh, like the Dante uh, match um, from twenty five didn't quite have that
1: same level to it. This was better. I think Tommy kind of brings an extra level to, to pretty much anything he's in. He just, he, he never once he kicks into whatever his high gear is, it just seems like on another level for a lot of things. Like when he starts throwing like it's just, especially in, in a match like this where it's, it's kind of, it seems like it's important because they're you know getting to choose a stipulation uh, for whatever that's worth. And he just seemed like he was going, you know, all out to try and win. Yeah, no, really There was a certain spot towards the end there where it really didn't kick out of of something. I can't remember exactly what it was. Hmm. I don't remember but was it a, a v- was it a roundhouse? It was something and it was it was weird and then there was a pile driver straight out of it that really it out of very dramatically as, as if to came there that he was alright, but I don't, I don't know what happened there. But apart from that, I thought yeah, this, was, this was good stuff. And, and Tommy End just brings something that I don't, I don't think many other people can bring that kind of high voltage offense on, on such a regular basis that, that you just get into the match like you do with Tommy End. It's just
3: so intense, but they, you, you can back it up. It's not like the moves that he's bringing are not like normal moves. He, uh, his kicks are so perfect. Uh, when you see him do one of those big roundhouses and he clocks someone upside yeah. the, the jaw, you kind of think, well, has he just broken his jaw or or is he just really,
4: <laughs> really, really good at this? Um, the is, the beginning really of game. a match was, I think, the best bit of a match. Um, like, straight out the gate, Tommy N just grabbing James Davis yeah. and kicking him just, in the head repeatedly. He just
3: grabbed him by the arm, coming at you. <laughs>
4: and then Davis responds by like diving on him like a few hundred times. like it was just like a really intense start and it was intense all the way through like reminded me a lot of um their tag match at chapter 24 the last time they showed up at manchester but just with the singles um like tommy end like really showing off his skills but james davis still keeping up making it intense and exciting and the blood spit was like it just like i went oh when i saw (laughs) that just like Uh This shit just got real. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I'm very, very hyped for the TLC match now, thanks to these two matches that they've had. like Neither one was amazing on its own, but it's all building to that big one, the TLC, losing team disbands, and that is just going to be crazy.
3: What what are your thoughts on this? Because I'm looking at the, the losing team disbanding, and I'm thinking, does this mean that they want to push Tommy End as a big singles
4: guy? Uh, because it's the only thing that really makes sense. Mm. With the Super Strong Style tournament coming up, I'd say him and Mark Haskins are probably the two favourites to win or win that. Um, so, potentially, yeah, they, this is the end of SDS in progress. This would be yeah, a I good as good a get out clause be. as any. Yeah,
1: I don't know what the benefit would be to break up the riot at this point. I yeah, I don't really yeah. think there is one, so no. but
3: I can see the the idea of, of pushing Tommy Enders as a big single star as potentially you know, the, the top guy. I can yeah. see that happening.
1: Especially with his kind of uh, great profile these days, he seems to be someone that should maybe to consider more than just a active actor. I think he's I kind of, I wouldn't say better than that, but even if
3: yeah. I could have just pushed him in singles as well, but um yeah. maybe they want to do something more
4: dramatic. I think S D S have had a, a good run that they've had, but like I feel part of the reason why they brought in Dante is to almost protect End as a top singles guy while they pushed Osprey, while they pushed Skull and like went through the, the havoc angle with uh Osprey. I feel like end being in singles would kind of just get in the way, so I feel a lot of that was get him out of the singles division, push him in the tag, see if they can get over Dante, which they have to an extent, and they've had some awesome matches in that run. The Hunter Brothers match especially was, like, fantastic, so...
3: Well, again, that's the same thing that they're doing, maybe, with Joe Coffey and, and Big Damo. Maybe that's why they've, they've done that. Mm-hmm. So yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I really liked. I know we we talked about um, uh, some of our favourite uh, shots um, from Progress. There's one at the end of the the Davis uh, Tommy and match uh, where you can see like Tommy kind of like leaving, and you've got uh, Davis kind of <coughs> kneeling in the ring, just kind of staring at the mat, just like, oh, what have I what have I done? Like I've lost that that match, and as a result. My team could be done. I just thought it was a really good shot. Um, Whoever was cameraman down at ringside uh, deserves a bonus for that one. Just captured the moment perfectly. Um, And on to the the final match. This is the Progress Championship match between Marty Skull and challenger Mark
1: Haskins. Uh, Ian, your thoughts? I think uh, before we go any further, um, talking of production, I think the um, current progress um, entrance for Marty Sparrow is probably the uh, the best entrance out there, I think the way they film it. Um, the, uh, it must be something to do with um, this kind of speaker system or something like that, but the music just kind of blares through it and him just coming out and looking um the way he does is, I, there's no way you think he's a massive superstar when he's in progress. I think sometimes in Rev Pro, say it's like that, when he's just coming out kind of in the light and his music's kind of tinny in the background, it's just like, oh, I'm smart as well, but in progress, it's just like, wow, this is a mega star coming out. And, and, you know, you kind of deserve that because he's having such a good year, and this match as well, I I thought was so good, I I don't have them. I don't have a lot specifically to say about it. I just, you know, watching them kinda of then go back and forth, especially, you know, Haskins again, just you know, not giving anyone a second to kind or of not giving Skrull a second to kinda of breathe and um, Skrull coming back with, with kind of the starting off with kind of the heel tactic and going, you know, to more dashively towards the end which is I think probably what they're gonna keep keep going with with him um, in, in progress. and certainly I yeah, I, I thought this was maybe not on the level of the Austrian matches, but it's, it's kind of it's, it's kind of one, one you know, below that. that it yeah, I
3: enjoyed it a great deal. I thought, oh, it's, oh you know, I've just remembered, cause, uh Haskins had uh, another submission finish attempted in this one? That was the Rings of Saturn. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's got, it's got all of them. That's like <laughs> six. Yeah, <laughs> the half dozen man. Uh, it's it's a hell of a gimmick that he's got. Because uh, one of the things that that kind of upsets me the most about wrestling is that in certain companies, the only way to finish a match is with a finisher or a roll up.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, it's it's nice uh, to have like certain guys who who have, provide other potential finishes during the course of the match, and not just something that's like a it's a trademark move. You recognize it, but you know it's not going to finish a match. Whereas like the way Haskins works, especially with his submissions, you kind of feel like that finish could come out of anywhere. And it just makes him far more entertaining for me. I wish more wrestlers had that, like the the multiple potential finishes, not just finisher or roll-up. It's to have different things that they do.
4: And the the finishes really can come out of anywhere, because the way he works, like, the way he chains moves together like no one else in the, in all of wrestling, basically. Like, he can chain uh, one of his big moves, like A Made in Japan, straight into any number of submissions. And just, like, it's very exciting. He keeps you on your toes all the time.
3: I thought uh, Skrull has done a pretty good job with his... Uh his first defense here, he's kind of established um, that he really only cares about the title. He doesn't care about anything else. And they got that over well on commentary where they're talking about uh, Mark Haskins and his, and his family that he's, he wrestles to provide for his family. He's got something he cares about outside of the business, whereas Skull is just completely selfish and totally obsessed with that, that progress title. Um, I, I think that worked really well as a, like a backbone for, for the story. And then to build uh, the match that they did around that, I thought they did a, a tremendous job. Um, and I don't think it's quite as good as either of the uh, matches against Will Osprey um, or the the Haskins
4: Osprey match, but it was
3: very close. It was up there.
4: Yeah, it didn't quite reach like that very top level. Um, but like you say, like the characters of both guys are really established now. I've um. One thing I neglected to say during our Chapter 25 talk is that Skull, finally, he's got that heel character properly down, and instead of just being, like, weird in the way he uses weapons, like we said that during the Shampa matches, it didn't really make sense as to why he was cheating in that match, but, like, the way he used weapons in the Osprey match just felt so perfect, and again here, like, the way he wrestled this match, especially towards the end, and, like, knocking out. Uh, Haskins with um, repeated stomps to the head. It just felt villainous and that is exactly what he's trying to go for and I feel like he's finally discovered how to get that across in his wrestling style and like that really completes, yeah, well, completes his character. We were kind of
3: worried about his um, losing chunks of his move uh, set when he turned like fully heel in progress but he did away with the whole entrance music and um, He'd really, like, like, stripped his gimmick down. And he's slowly kind of worked little bits back in, but he's done it in such a way as to kind of give us, like, a new character built up from from the ashes as opposed to just, yeah. like, Marty Skull all over again. So he's he's done a really good job of that. I, I didn't see it happening that quickly, but he really, uh, over these these last two shows, um, good work all round, I thought, from from Skull. I'm praising him a lot more than I, than I thought I would do
1: already this year, and we're only like two months in. Yeah, it's, it's kind of his character into, into something that's um, substantial, and it's, you know, you, you kind of believe everything that he's he's saying and everything that he's doing, because he's, he's got such conviction behind everything. Um, and it doesn't seem like like you were saying about Travster. <laughs> oh, he doesn't seem like he's playing, he's playing a pro wrestler, so he's <laughs> just being a dick, and... Uh, you know, doing whatever he needs to do to keep that yeah. breaking the rules. He's like Yes.
4: He's inhabited his character and that's when like great pro wrestling can exist, when the performer and the character yeah. are one.
3: Well, they have that with Jimmy Havoc <laughs> as well, so it's like they've gone from like the Jimmy Havoc era, uh, to now running with Skrull as, as their, their top heel and and he's doing like that same kind of work in terms of being real. It's what like I was saying about Paul Robinson earlier, um it makes that so much easier to, to get behind somebody who's wrestling against them when
1: a bad guy is that good at being bad. Yeah, I do like Mark Askins as a kind of um deep like two thousand and six realm of honor. A rule where he always gets the first title shot against a new champion, yeah, because <laughs> you know he's, he's probably not going to win, but he's going to have an incredible match with him. And I always enjoyed that, when that with Jay, and that's the last uh, last couple of matches.
4: Do we think that um, Mark Haskins is getting built up as the next top babyface in progress? Because with Will Osprey going on his global adventures, um, it leaves a spot at the top. Certainly, obviously, Osprey's coming back for Chapter Twenty Seven. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but um, uh, there's certainly a place for that. And with the with like how strongly they're pushing the whole Haskins family man, um, stuff like with his wife coming in to console him at the end, mm-hmm. like they're really trying to put like a human angle on him now. And his journey to the top is somewhat similar to Osprey's because he won the last Thunderbastard match, just like Osprey won his Thunderbastard match, but then lost his title shot, and now he's lost again um could he potentially win the super strong style and go through a similar pattern as Osprey
3: I um, I think the thing is with with Haskins is there's only I think there's only so many times you can do this to anybody is like you can't keep losing um your big matches like you can't you can't keep coming up against the the champion and getting beaten because uh, eventually that kind of leaves a mark on you uh, yeah. <laughs> goes <laughs> I was <about> to say. <laughs> um once you get to that point where you've you've been up to the top and you've lost and lost and lost and lost, the good thing about Haskins as opposed to Goto is like in his title match, he really looked like he was like up for it that he really wanted to win that match and it felt more legitimate, it felt more realistic. Um, whereas uh, Goto, when he went up against takada I was like, uh, does he really have any conviction in his, you know? what he's doing here, it just doesn't feel that way. So at least Haskins still has that. But like I said, there's only so many times you can you can have a guy lose the big match until you think, well, he's never gonna win it. But then they could still use that as a as a storyline. So um I'd be interested to see where they go with it.
1: Yeah, I mean they put him in a, in a uh was that four match which um, one of them against the mass of the So it's not like uh, they're not behind them i don't know if Tommy to potentially Tim, back as a, as a singles guy i don't know to, which, gotta be if which he, it's got to be one of those two that you run with well that would be a hell
3: of a match for the the finals of the um the 16 uh i, I don't know if there's anyone else you'd consider maybe andrews or rampage possibly.
4: um maybe know. jack Gallagher as an outsider
3: jack gallagher
1: yeah yeah no, I, I think i think haskins on up the two chance at least with that there's no one else um, apart from those game of two guys at the top, so you've got Skyl and you've got Oscar, and then, you know, Mark Andrews um, and Mark Haskins is, uh, is performing. Um, at just as good level, as we said, I don't see why you wouldn't you know go all around at the moment. I'd certainly be behind that. I don't see why not. And that tournament
4: is, like, a lot closer than we think. Like, it's in May. I think there's only three more chapters, maybe only two. Uh, until then, so, like, they're really gearing up for it now.
1: Yeah. I think I'll be doing that, so. Hopefully we'll do something good with
4: it. Going to the the
3: weekend, because of the two two shows.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, 27, they've announced the the main event is going to be a nine-man Thunderbastard with the title on the line.
4: Uh, yeah, Flash Morgan Webster, Zach Gibson, Mark Haskins, Paul Robinson, Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews, Rampage Brown, and Will Osprey are the eight men. Uh, with Marty Skrill obviously defending. I this I hopefully to make it fair that Skrill will be going in last because otherwise it doesn't really make a lot of sense kayfabe wise for like skill to defend. Like it it seems really is unfair. He being punished to defend. is that the. Um...
3: Is he being punished for, for, you know, doing the whole thing where he stamped on Haskins uh, mm. wrist after, after um the end of chapter twenty six?
4: They could do that angle, but it's more of a babyface thing to like come in first and in the case of Roman Reigns get booed out of the building.
1: <laughs> it does remind me of it, so you don't have like Glenn Joseph on the Entrance number ten Gleng or two. But no, I, I don't know, I think it's uh, it feels like they did something similar with Jamie Havic, did with that? Uh, six weeks.
4: Yeah, they did a six man, but that was like all in one go. This is uh yeah. the fun lit, fun the bastard. Yeah, I think sometimes so.
1: they just kinda of, run out of people that we've built up sufficiently so where we've really yeah. run out of that no, so be just uh, like, throw everyone in a in a big schmog see what
3: happens. <laughs> 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 should be fun. Should
4: be fun. But, like, it's a it's a schmoz of the top guys. There's no one, maybe, apart from Eddie Dennis, who's, like, lower on the card. That's all, like, the guys they've been building in big singles contests. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what spins out from this, like, who's in their last, presumably, skill is defending. I can't see a title change coming in this kind of match, but it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out. And obviously the co-main event of that show is the TLC... Losing Team Disbands, Riots versus uh, SDS, yeah. which could very well steal the show.
1: Which This is their fourth anniversary, so, so um, yeah, they are gone pretty big for that, cause Yeah, it's two, two pretty massive matches.
3: But they have thrown an awful lot of uh, eggs into one basket, with the, yeah. having a nine-man yeah. match. That kind of makes you wonder what else is going to be on the card. Maybe they've got something interesting and different lined up.
4: Presumably, Pollyanna versus Dahlia Black will hopefully be there. And then you've still got um, three origin guys and a few other people uh, who aren't in that, so they can build a pretty strong car there.
3: Is the natural progression series? Is the other semi-finals taking place at twenty-seven?
4: Well, they haven't had the first semi-finals yet, so it will be. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> It will yeah, be both. natural <laughs> progression, a women's match, and then these top two matches, and then something with the origin. And we'll we'll see. It's it's a very exciting chapter with those two big matches. This could be a very strong show.
1: We think that a 9-way way underbasser match for the title would go into it amount of time as well. So we might not need to add it as much as you think. But you think at least perhaps maybe five matches at the least, something like that. Okay, and
3: uh, with that, we've we've kind of discussed two whole progress shows. Uh, we're still. Under two hours, so that's a bonus. Um, before we head out, uh, have you got anything to plug, Ollie?
4: Um, just continuing to write the um, European section of the F4W newsletter every week. Um, so go check that out. And my Twitter is at another Ollie.
1: Uh, Ian, uh, I you know I talk a bunch of nonsense on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's at DME B- underscore eight seven. is uh, my uh, and yeah, much.
3: And you cover Taylor Swift songs. Oh, yeah, I do that also. <laughs> but, <same laughs> <me> on the <Saturday,
1: laughs>
3: you, you, know, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Arnold Furious. Uh, You've also got a history of I think that I've reviewed chapter 25 on there. I really can't remember because I've been watching far too much wrestling recently. Uh, Rob kind of. Uh, I I don't know if you consider it a challenge, but he, he kind of mentioned how many uh, matches he'd watched so far this year. So I've now watched uh, 276. Um, and I don't know if that's more or less than him because he kind of posted an update at the end of January. And yes, oh, we just watched too much. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. lot. It, it feels like a lot, but then I, I do watch a lot of wrestling. Yeah. And uh, sorry, anything before we go? Right, thanks for coming in. It's been fun.
1: That's no problem. For me.
3: And we'll see you next time for whatever the hell we're talking about on Chapter 12. Good evening.